Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome everyone to Too Good to be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is mysterious ship disappearances. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. Relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time and history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize. And neither of us have any particular knowledge of maritime history or technology. If we have missed it on anything, we apologize. Let's talk about a ship I read about many years ago, the SS Waratah, which is described by Wikipedia as follows. Quote, SS Waratah was a passenger and cargo steamship built in 1908 for the Blue Anchor Line to operate between Europe and Australia. In July 1909, on on only her second voyage, the ship en route from Durban to Cape Town disappeared with 211 passengers and crew aboard. To this day, no trace of the ship has been found." Durban and Cape Town are both ports in South Africa. How did the ship get her name? Again, Wikipedia provides the information. Quote, the ship was named after the emblem flower of New South Wales, Australia, which appears to have been an unlucky name. One ship of that name had been lost off the island of Ushant in the English Channel in 1848, one in 1887 on a voyage to Sydney, another south of Sydney, and one in the Gulf of Carpentaria in 1897. 
unquote. The Gulf of Carpentario is a shallow sea bounded by land on three sides off of northern Australia. Was there anything strange about the ship's maiden voyage? This was between London, England and Adelaide, Australia via Cape Town during November and December of 1908. According to Wikipedia, there was a foreign board plus another concern. Quote, while on her maiden voyage early on the morning of 6th of December 1908, the second officer reported a small fire in the lower starboard bunker extending all the way to the engine room. The fire was largely brought under control by noon on the same day, but continued reigniting until the 10th of December. The fire was apparently caused by the heat emitted by several, several reducing and steam valves located on the starboard side of the engine room. While the roof of the engine room was insulated, the starboard side was evidently not. The repairs were performed at Sydney to the chief engineer's satisfaction. During her maiden trip, the steamer was scrutinized by the captain and the crew, as one of the criteria used in exceptions trials was the ship's handling and stability. Captain Ilbury was not completely satisfied and considering he was previously in charge of Geelong, presumably reported to the owners that the ship did not have the same stability as his old vessel. He was especially concerned with the difficulty of, of properly loading the steamer to maintain her stability, which resulted in a heated exchange between the owners and the builders following the vessel's return to England." Unquote. The second and last voyage commenced from London at the end of April 1909, arriving in Adelaide in June with a stop in Cape Town along the way. The return trip was to include stops at Durban and at Cape Town. Besides disappearing without a trace and the wreck never being found, what else was mysterious about the tragic loss? The Weird Australia website describes how one passenger, Cloyd Sawyer, had a prophetic dream. Quote, one night at sea, he dreamt of standing on the ship's boat deck, staring into the sea. Suddenly, a knight on a horse rose out of the waves, swinging a medieval sword. A bloodstained sheet was fluttering behind him. The apparition screamed out, Waratah, Waratah, then faded. Sawyer woke up screaming in his berth. He couldn't sleep, and after that, after that, but resolved to get off the ship at the next stop. The following day, he re related the nightmare to Alexandra Hay, a lady from Coventry, England, who was making the crossing with her daughter. While, while she was shocked by the story, <clears throat> excuse me, Mrs. Hay was not going to change ships. Convinced that the Warato was doomed, Sawyer next pleaded with his bunkmate, John Elbsworth, a solicitor, on his way to London to defend the client, to get off the liner with him at Durban. While he agreed it was perhaps a portent, Ebsworth suggested he discuss the premonition with Father Faddle, the South African priest, the South African priest then scoffed at Sawyer's claims. Sawyer repeated his concerns to Captain Ilbury. However, the captain saw no merit in, in them or this strange dream. The master went so far as to file a report with the Port Customs Office, declaring that my steamship Waratah had has sustained no damage from any cause, whatever, since leaving her last port, unquote. What did Claude Sawyer do next? He walked down the gangplank, suitcases in hand, as soon as the ship docked in Durban. Apparently, Sawyer didn't know about the instability concern expressed by Captain Ilbury. The next leg of the, next leg of the journey from Durban to Cape Town is around the southern coast of Africa, notorious for storms, high seas and high winds, where the Indian Ocean meets the Atlantic. So it was not a good place for a ship that was thought by its captain to be unstable. Are there many wrecks in that location? Yes, there's a history of shipwrecks in that area. The Weird Australia website describes the last sighting of the SS Waratah, but everything seemed normal. Quote, after leaving Durban, the Waratah headed south along the Transkei coast for Cape Town. With the sky clear and the headwinds increasing, Ilbury anticipating reaching Cape, Cape Town in four days. The next morning, Warto was spotted by the freighter Clan McIntyre, which had departed Durban the previous day. After learning through more signals that the liner was the Warto, the Clan McIntyre asked about the weather they had encountered from Australia, reported the Daily Observer. Strong southwesterly and southerly winds across, responded the Warto. Thanks, goodbye, pleasant voyage was the concluding message from Clan McIntyre. 
Thanks, same to you, goodbye, signed off the Waratah. The Clan McIntyre kept sight of the Waratah for several hours after passing. The seas were now rolling, producing whitecaps, but visibility was improving. The Waratah pulled about 10 miles ahead of the Clan McIntyre, which recorded in her logs that the Waratah apparently ap appeared to be perfectly upright and to be in no difficulty steaming rapidly. At 9.20 a.m., the Waratah altered cross course, crossing from Clan McIntyre's starboard to port. The Waratah then picked up speed and disappeared from sight into the mist. What happened after that remains a mystery to this day, unquote. Was that the end of the story? The captain of the Clan McIntyre provided another twist. The Weird Australia article continues, quote, the distinguished and respected captain of the Clan McIntyre, C.G. Phillips, would later recount to a board of inquiry into the loss of Waratah of seeing a ghostly omen after losing sight of the missing steamer. Some hours after I'd sent a signal to the liner, I was standing on the bridge when I sighted another ship, a sailing vessel. There was something strangely old-fashioned about her rig. I'm not a superstitious man, but I know my seafaring lore. The rig of the vessel immediately brought to mind the legend of the Flying Dutchman. The phantom ship held me spellbound, disappeared in the direction taken by the Waratah, and I had a feeling it was a sign of disaster for the liner." Unquote. The Flying Dutchman is a famous legendary ghost ship doomed to sail oceans forever without being able to reach port. As Captain C.G. Phillips indicated, sighting the phantom Flying Dutchman is thought to be an omen of doom. Was that the end of the story? Not quite. Psychics became involved. The same article continues. Quote, The loss without trace of the Waratah confounded almost everyone. Other ships, including the Sabine, searched the area fruitlessly for any signs of the ship, but none were found. New Zealand's Grey River Argus on the 18th of January 1910, however, reported that mediums in South Africa had attempted to use their psychic abilities to determine the ship's fate. Several well mediums have received messages from the spirit world with reference to the fate of the SS Waratah. Replying to a question at a spiritualistic meeting in Pretoria towards the end of November, Mrs. Pryor, a prominent medium, said that as far as she was able to save from clairvoyance, the Waratah was still afloat, but there had been several deaths aboard. She also said that she, she also said she had a letter in her possession written by one of the passengers on board the Waratah and from psychometry, she was not able to trace that the writer had departed from life, but that with the surviving passengers, she had disembarked and they were now living upon a desert island, which lay in, in quite an opposite direction in which the Sabin had gone in search of the Waratah. The people were in great want and it was feared that unless the Sabin's course was diverted, it would be too late to render assistance. But I think we'll have to continue with this quote after the break. Yes, we'll continue after the short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, 
international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, Dad, you were quoting from the weird Australian article about the Waratah and psychic predictions. So, Dad, can you please continue with this article? Yes, Justina. The report finished with the reassuring news that people on the other side were at work to bring the ill-fated ones into port. Back in Australia, Elizabeth Clairvoyant also believed that many of the passengers and crew were still alive but in a perilous state. The Northern Star reported in August of 1909 that a local medium believed the steamer had lost both propellers during a storm and had sunk, but that the passengers and crew took to the boats. Some were lost by the capsize of the boat. About 150 landed and were provided for by the natives, unquote. Were there any other escapes besides that of Claude Sawyer? There is an account of a Mr. James Hardy of London who twice missed boarding the ship in Australia before it departed for Durban. The first was when a wheel came off his vehicle, the second time when he was detained by a business commitment, but his luggage sailed with the Waratah. What is the next mysterious maritime disappearance? The schooner Patriot, which is remembered for the disappearance of Theodosia Burr Alston, who was last seen on December the 31st, 1812, after part, departing from Georgetown, South Carolina. What happened to the ship? She left port and was never seen again. Who was Theodosia Burr Alston? Apparently a, a unique and highly intelligent person. Her life is described in a Wikipedia article that starts as follows. Quote, Theodosia Burra Alston, June 21st, 1783, to approximately January 2nd, 3rd, 1813, was the daughter of U.S. Vice President Aaron Burr and Theodosia Bartow Prevost. Her husband, Joseph Alston, was governor of South Carolina during the War of 1812. She was lost at sea at age 29, unquote. Vice President Aaron Burr's life was more than eventful, but that is a whole other story. But he has gone down in history by killing in a duel his political opponent, Alexandra Hamilton. Among other, among other achievements, Hamilton was Secretary of the Treasury during George Washington's administration. What was the purpose of her trip, and why in the middle of winter? To see her father, as Wikipedia explains, quote, In the spring of 1807, Burr was arrested for treason. During his trial in Richmond, Virginia, Alston was with him, providing comfort and support. Burr was acquitted of the charges against him, but left for Europe, where he remained for a period of four years. While her father remained in exile, Alston acted as his agent in the U.S., raising money, which he sent to him, and transmitting messages. Alston wrote letters to the Secretary of the Treasury, Albert Gallatin, and to Dolly Madison in an effort to secure a smooth return for her father. Alston's son succumbed to malaria and died on June 30th, 1812, at age 10. The, result anguished, ang the resulting anguish affected her health to the point of preventing her from traveling to New York upon her father's return from Europe in July of 1812. Unable to join him, she had to wait until December before she could make the journey, unquote. Dolly Madison was the wife of President James Madison. 
Why was she traveling alone? She really wasn't traveling alone. Wikipedia again provides the explanation as well as details of the schooner Patriot. Quote, several months after the War of 1812 broke out, husband, Alston's husband was sworn in as governor of South Carolina on December the 10th. As head of the state militia, he could not accompany her on the trip north. Burr sent Timothy Green, an old friend, to accompany her instead. Green possessed some medical knowledge. On December 31st, 1812, Alston sailed aboard the schooner Patriot from Georgetown, South Carolina. The Patriot was a famously fast sailor, which had originally been built as a pilot boat and had served as a privateer during the war, when it was commissioned by the US government to prey on English shipping. It had been refitted in December in Georgetown, its guns dismantled and hidden below decks. Its name was painted over and any indication of recent activity was entirely erased. The schooner's captain, William Overstocks, desired to make a rapid return to New York with his cargo. It is likely the ship was laden with the proceeds from its privateering raids, unquote. It was wartime, so was the, the ship sunk by the enemy? The All That Is Interesting website dis discusses the theories as follows, quote, a June 23, 1820 article in the New York Advertiser reported that Jean Defarge and Robert Johnson, privateers aboard the Patriot, had confessed to taking over the ship two or three days into the journey, trapping everyone in the hold, stealing all their valuables and then sinking the boat. But certain details contradicted their account. They said the weather remained calm for three days, but it wasn't. They also said the Patriot left from Charleston when it actually parted uh, Georgetown. Another confession was made by Benjamin F. Burdick, known as Old Frank, who on his deathbed said he had made Alston walk the plank. Despite the idea of walking the plank being more pirate fiction than fact, there are other problems with the authenticity of Burdick's account. He said she was clutching a Bible before she de descended into the sea without a murmur, but Alston, like her father, were undecidedly unreligion. Unquote. So the story end there with some unreliable sounding confessions. No, the article continues with some more theories, including being lost at sea. Quote, then some considerably more eerie accounts emerged. At St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Alexandria, Virginia, there is the mysterious grave of the female stranger. According to Laura, a man and a woman arrived in Alexandria, Alexandria in 1816. The woman was very sick, and when a doctor was summoned, the couple would not answer any questions about their identity. The woman died soon after, and some believe the couple was Alston and Dr. Green. But the most mysterious account is, is the story behind the Nag's portrait. In 1869, Dr. William Poole and his daughter Anna encountered a painting in the home of his patient, Polly Mann, in Nag's Head, North Carolina. Both were drawn to the portrait, which Anna recalled was of a beautiful young woman about 25 years of age. After questioning his patient about the painting, Dr. Poole was convinced it was of Theodosia Burr Alston. Mann told Anna that the painting was found by her deceased husband, Joseph Tillett, inside the cabin of a shipwrecked schooner near Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Poole received the portrait in lieu of payment and spent the following years trying to authenticate Alston's likeness with members of the Burr and Alston families. But unfortunately, the family members could not agree if it was Alston or not. Alston's disappearance remains a mystery to this day. And despite stories of pirates, enigmatic portraits found on schooners and anonymous grave sites, the most likely cause of her disappearance is also the most mundane. On January the 2nd and 3rd, 1812, fierce storms raged along the Patriots' route on the outer banks off the coast of North Carolina. Considering other ships were damaged in the region, it seems most likely the Patriot and Theodosia Burra Alston were lost at sea. Unquote. A privateer is a ship or crew member that is from another nation that is paid to wage war. Was that the end of the story? The portrait is now at the Lewis Walpole, Walpole Library at Yale University. At least one source suggests it was, a, as it was intended as a gift from Theodosia for her father, Aaron Burr. We have time for one more story, the witchcraft. 
This is a very strange story from more modern times. The following quote is from the Mysterious Universe website. Quote, the boat was a 23-foot yacht that had been fitted with special flotation devices to give it the claim of being unsinkable. On December the 22nd, 1967, an avid and experienced yachtsman by the name of Dan Burak embarked on a cruise aboard a yacht off Miami, Florida, along with his friend Father Patrick Horgan, in order to see the Christmas illumination along the coast. When they departed, they were doubtlessly not expecting any trouble, as the weather was calm, and after all, their boat was supposed to be unsinkable, but things would soon take a turn for the weird. Just one mile out from the marina, the yacht allegedly bumped into something unidentified in the water, which Barack suspected had bent the ship's rudder. He called the Miami Coast Guard at approximately 9 p.m. and explained the situation. Yet at this time, he was rather calm and composed and did not seem to think that it was an emergency, emergency situation. Burak calmly explained that he had hit something in the water and requested assistance back to the marina, and there was no reason at all to suspect anything was particularly wrong. Indeed, later reports from the Coast Guard would repeatedly emphasize Burak's composed demeanor during the call, unquote. What had happened when the Coast Guard arrived? There was nothing for them to find, the article continues, quote, it took only 19 minutes for a Coast Guard ship to reach the position of the witchcraft, yet when they arrived there was no sign at all of the yacht or the two men aboard. A search immediately commenced that would quickly grow to meticulously scour an impressive total area, area of 24,500 square miles over six days, involving hundreds of boats and aircraft that looked as far as the Gulf Stream. Throughout all of this, not a single piece of debris was discovered, no emergency flares were sighted, even though Burrick had a flare, flare gun aboard, and none of the ample safety flotation equipment that had been stowed aboard was found. Likewise, there was never any further communication from the lost ship, and the Coast Guard were, was baffled at how fast a witch craft had so abruptly and completely disappeared in such a short time. But I think we'll have to continue this after the break. Yes, we'll continue after this short break talking about the witchcraft. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money. Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hyde can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you wanna be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. 
Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, Dad, you were quoting from the Mysterious Universe website about the witchcraft vessel. Can you please continue with this quote? It was also perplexing because the weather had been had not been stormy at all. The sea serene, and even if the unsinkable ship had been damaged somehow, its special flotation devices should have ensured that at least some of the wreckage would stay afloat. However, nothing at all was ever found, and the Coast Guard would not save the witchcraft and its crew. Uh, sorry, and the Coast Guard would save the witchcraft and its crew. They are presumed missing, but not lost at sea, unquote. With that official conclusion for the loss of the witchcraft, it is time for the first question. Starting with the story of the SS Waratah, why were ships with that name so unlucky, with one lost off the island of Ushant in English Channel in 1848, another in 1887 on a voyage to Sydney, a third south of Sydney, and a fourth in the Gulf of Carpentaria in 1897? Basically for two reasons. So one, the name carried this bad luck associated with it, but it also was coincidences as well. So the naming of the ship made it so yes, it had more bad luck. However, the overall circumstances were just coincidences. With an unfortunate history of ships with that name, why was the SS Waratah given that particular name? Someone thought they would break the bad luck of the previous ships, so they thought that it was kind of funny until it obviously wasn't. How could the S. Waratah, sorry, the SS Waratah set off on her maiden voyage with the engine room not being completely insulated, resulting in a fire in the lower starboard bunker, extending all the way to the engine room? Unfortunately, that was human error, so they were trying to cut corners because of supplies of money. During the maiden voyage, did Captain Ilbury's concerns about the stability of the Waratah have any basis? Was the ship too unstable for safe operation? Yes, his concerns were in fact something that should have been spoken up about more and taken into consideration. Was there a heated exchange between the owners and the builders following the vessel's return to England? Yes. Why wasn't the SS Waratah prevented from going into service if she was actually too unstable for safe operation? The concerns were brushed away, so some people thought it was just better to use her. During the ship's second and last voyage, did passenger Claude Sawyer have a prophetic dream of a mounted knight rising out of the waves, swinging a medieval sword with a bloodstained sheet fluttering behind him, screaming out, Waratah, Waratah? Yes. Why did Claude Sawyer have the prophetic dream that convinced him that the Waratah was doomed? Basically, his own fears were coming alive, so it was showing his own fears of the ship. Were his fears about this particular ship, or was it just that he was on a ship and was worried? Because he was on a ship and was worried, so it was not something that he felt fully comfortable with. So in a way, you could say his intuition was telling him that it was a bad idea. Why did South African priest Father Fado scoff at Claude Sawyer's fears for the ship, passengers and crew? He thought he was right, so he thought there was nothing to worry about and thought he was just being paranoid. With already having expressed concerns about the ship's stability, on hearing Claude Sawyer's fears, was there anything that Captain Ilbury could have done to have prevented the ship from sailing from Durban? Yes, he could have spoken up more, so he could have confirmed the fears about her not being worthy of sailing, and also even refusing to sail the ship, so there's a lot more he could have done. However, he really liked sailing ships, so he wanted to get on with the voyage. What happened the morning after the Waratah departed from Durban after being seen by the freighter Clan McIntyre, changing course and picking up speed, then to disappear from sight into the mist? She was heading into some rough waters, so the weather and water was getting very unpredictable. So you can think of it as one of the storms that comes out of nowhere, where they hit the rough waves. 
Had the unpredictable rough weather anything to do with the Atlantic meeting the Indian Ocean in that area? Part of it, yes. So it makes it worse, so it's even more difficult since storms won't even be predicted in that location. Why was no trace of the water found at the time or ever since? When it was destroyed and sank, it actually went very, very far down. So to find the remains would be a very difficult journey since you would need specialized equipment. So it was hit by a freak wave with no time for launching lifeboats? Correct. It was very quick and there was no time for anyone to react. And on top of that, with the ship not being in good condition, there was no chance, unfortunately. If she had been more stable, would there have been more chance for the survivors? Correct, yes. If she were more stable, the lifeboats could have possibly been deployed and a distress signal might have been given. However, again, that is what ifs of the situation. But unfortunately, this is very common with different ships, is that they aren't prepared for what the ocean had for them. Why did the captain of Clan McIntyre, C.G. Phillips, state that in his last sighting, that the Warator appeared to be perfectly upright and to be in no difficulty. Was he aware at the time that the ship was allegedly too unstable for safe operation? No, he wasn't, and his settings were correct. So the last time he saw the ship, the ship seemed just fine. What was the phantom sailing ship that Captain C.G. Phillips saw some hours after he signaled the Warator? Was it the Flying Dutchman? It was an imprint of a ship, yes. So it wasn't exactly the fine Dutchman, but you can call it in loose terms a ghost ship, yes. Why did C.G. Phillips experience such a sighting thought to be an omen of doom? Basically to give warning of what occurred, so to give some type of clue, and also since it is an imprint from the past to show that it's not the first, and unfortunately would not be the last ship that went down around that area. In the months that followed, why did some well-known mediums relate that the Warator was still afloat? Unfortunately, that was positive thinking on their parts. So they believed and weren't trying to give false reports, but did believe that the ship was still sailing. Was it just good fortune that Mr. James Hardy of London twice missed boarding the ship in Australia before it departed for Durban? It was actually not in his path to be on that ship. What can we learn from Claude Sawyer's strange dream and the tragic ending of the SS Waratah? The biggest takeaway is to follow your intuition. So your intuition actually gives so much more information about the future than anything else can. So if you get a bad feeling, if you have a bad dream, if you have this weird inkling about a trip, maybe take the next boat or take the next flight rather than follow through with it. And that goes with dreams also is that sometimes it's best, even if you seem a little paranoid, to follow your dreams, especially if they're predicting a future event. Changing subject to the story of the schooner Patriot, in 1804, how did the competitive situation escalate to Vice President Aaron Burr killing his political opponent, Alexander Hamilton, in a duel? Basically, just the tension between them. So things escalated very quickly. And sometimes this leads to unfortunate accidents. Why was Aaron Burr put on trial for treason to be later acquitted? Basically, they didn't have proof. So it was hard to prove that he was actually guilty of treason. So he might have been guilty, but they couldn't prove it. Correct, exactly. Why did Aaron Burr travel to Europe to remain there for four years? For his own personal reasons and safety, so he wanted to get away. With being acquitted from the charges made against him, why was it necessary for Theodosia Burr Alston to secure a return for her father? Basically just an extra safety precaution, so just in case you could say. So some people believed he was guilty of treason? Correct, and he was worried, and she was also worried that some people would still possibly come after him. Was Theodosia Burr-Elston's purpose for sailing to New York on the Patriot to see her father, or, is it, or was there another reason or reasons? No, that was the sole reason. When the schooner Patriot departed Georgetown, South Carolina, was it laden with the proceeds from attacking English or other shipping? Yes, you could say that, yes. 
Is the June 23rd, 1820 article in the New York Advertiser correct in reporting that Jean Defarge and Robert Johnson, privateers aboard the Patriot, had confessed to taking over the ship two or three days into the journey, trapping everyone in the hold, stealing all of their valuables, and then sinking the ship? That's part of the story, yes. Why did Jean Defarge and Robert Johnson state that the weather remained calm for three days, but it didn't? and that the Patriot left from Charleston when it actually departed from Georgetown. They were at the point of just making up stories, so not everything they said made sense, and they were almost rambling about information. So there's no truth in the confession made by pirate Benjamin F. Burdick, who on his deathbed said he had made Theodosia Burr-Alston walk the plant. No, there's no truth in that. After John Defarge and Robert Johnson took over the Patriot, what did they do? They took it over, put everyone together in one place, and made sure the people were threatened and took all their valuables. So they did take over the ship. However, they let the ship sail for a while before they actually did anything to harm anybody. So their whole intention was to just steal as much money and valuables as possible. But we'll have to continue after this short break about mysterious ship disappearances. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. 
live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we are going through the questions and psychic insight about mysterious ship disappearances. Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Uh, what happened to the ship, the Patriot? It did end up sinking. So without the captain guiding the ship, it ended up running into something and sinking. Who did John Defarge and Robert Johnson, sorry. Um, how did John Defarge and Robert Johnson survive? Were they off the ship? Yes, they escaped on one of the lifeboats before the ship was just led to sail by itself. So they escaped well before the ship actually sank. Did a man and a very ill woman arrive in Alexandria, Virginia in 1816? They were the escapees, yes. The ship went down, but they managed to survive. Is that correct? Correct. So not everyone went down with the ship. So when the ship hit this, you could almost call it a chunk of land, almost. But it's not really on any major maps. When it hit this land, some people were able to escape in some of the other lifeboats. So not everyone went down with the ship. Was a doctor summoned with a couple not answering any questions about their identities? Yes. Did the woman die soon after the doctor was summoned? Yes. Were the couple Theodosia Burr-Alston and Timothy Green? Yes. Why didn't Theodosia and Timothy tell the story of their capture and their, their ship being cast adrift? They were so confused at that point and also very, very sick. So they couldn't really think straight at that point since they were starving, dehydrated and obviously ill. What had happened to the other passengers and crew that survived? They ended up in different places. So a lot of them ended up in random places and didn't really share their stories since they were not really back where they originally were. So when they told their story of surviving a shipwreck, a lot of people just laughed it off and didn't really take them seriously. So at the time you didn't really survive shipwrecks? No, it was a very rare occasion and it was very difficult since not everyone survived. What caused Theodosia Burr-Alston's illness? The different conditions of the ship along with dehydration and starvation. Since they weren't getting the food and water they needed, diseases were able to run way more rampant than before. And in those times, diseases were carried, obviously, by different animals that were aboard the ship. So that they just had the more exposure and also their lowered immunity. Are the remains, are there, sorry, are there remains of Theodosia Burr Alston buried in the mysterious grave of the female stranger? at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Yes. Was the young woman the subject of the portrait seen in 1869 in the home of Polly Mann in Nags Head, North Carolina, Theodosia Burr-Alston? Yes. Was the portrait found inside the cabin of a shipwrecked schooner near Kitty Hawk, North Carolina? Yes, it was. Was that where the wreck of the Patriot ended up? Correct. Why wasn't it possible to authenticate Alston's likeness in the portrait by members of the Burr and Alston families? It was just difficult. So obviously a portrait, especially back then, doesn't show the features of the camera work and photography of today. So they didn't want to be sure about identifying it. Was the portrait intended as a gift from Theodosia to her father, Aaron Burr? Yes. What can we learn from the loss of the schooner Patriot? Unfortunately, that many times in history, many different people have been affected by just a few and their ill will towards others. So this isn't the first or the last time where people have been mistreated, then informed that unfortunate accidents had happened. But it is also very hard to trace people. So now with DNA evidence of today, it is easier to trace people, but there are still these unknowns. There are always going to be the John Doe's and Jane Doe's of the world, unfortunately. 
So the best thing that's possible is to try to be as safe as possible and try to track down airplanes, vessels of today as carefully as possible. However, back in times of history, there weren't these luxuries with technology not being as advanced. So there's many times in history where people just seem to vanish out of nowhere and there's not much more known about them. Changing subject to the 23-foot 23 23 foot yacht, the Witchcraft, were the special flotation devices that made the vessel unsinkable, in good condition and able to function correctly. Yes. On December 22, 1967, what did the Witchcraft run into one mile out from the marina? Some very high ocean ground, so where it's supposed to be lower than it was. Did the witchcraft have a bent rudder as yachtsman Dan Burak thought he had happened? Yes. What were the sea conditions like when Dan Burak called the Coast Guard for assistance at approximately 9pm? They were fine, so there was no storms, the ocean was as expected. Did Dan Burak have any reason not to be calm and composed and not thinking that it was an emergency situation? Yes, he thought it was normal issues, so he didn't think much of it. With the Coast Guard ship only taking 19 minutes to reach the witchcraft's reported position, had they arrived in the correct location? Not originally, no. Why had the Coast Guard arrived at the wrong location? They were given the wrong location. Had the sea conditions worsened over the 19 minutes that the Coast Guard ship was sailing to the location? Yes, a lot worsened. Did the Coast Guard detect on radar any other ship or object in the area? No. Why was there no further contact between the witchcraft and the Coast Guard after the, after the request for assistance? The other ship could not actually make contact anymore, so the electronics were not working. With the search getting extended to 24,500 square miles over six days, what was the searcher's theory for the disappearance? At the time, it was still unknown, so they thought maybe they weren't looking in the crack location or that the ship had moved. Was any kind of foul play suspected? In a way, yes, since they were still suspicious of how calm the original call was and where the location was reported. Did the yacht's disappearance have anything to do with its name, Witchcraft? No, it wasn't a very smart name to have for a boat, but no, it did not affect the outcome. Why was there nothing ever found, not even any wreckage, especially with the witchcraft being outfitted with special flotation devices to render it unsinkable? Since the boat moved, so once the boat was calling in the call to the Coast Guard, it actually got free and continued its journey, and you could say it disappeared. How did the yacht disappear? Was it hit by a freak wave? It was taken on a very unusual path, and you could say foul play was involved, yes. Can you say anything about the foul play? Basically, one of the people on board decided that they would take control and go on their own journey, and it did not end up in a good situation, so the vessel did eventually sink. There were only two on board, Dan Barak and Father Horgan, is that correct, or were there more on board? There were only those two. Did the passenger want a different trip to that wanted by the captain? Yes, there was fighting between the two of them, and you could say there was a fight for where the vessel would go. And then it came to grief afterwards? Correct. And it came to grief also because of bad weather? Correct. What can we learn from the strange disappearances of the yacht, the witchcraft? That there is still more to be discovered, so there is still a lot of shipwrecks to still find. So these remains could be found eventually. It's just a matter of locating them, since there is such a large area they could be in. That was the last answer. Is a timely premonition to save a life too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. I guess my major takeaway is if your intuition tells you that you're in a bad situation, you should try and get out of it. I think my biggest takeaway is that these are some mysterious ship disappearances, but there's so many more ships out there that have disappeared. So from very large vessels to small vessels, and even lately that's been in the news where people are even disappearing off different um, ships and just disappearing out of nowhere. Yeah, um, I guess the 
we could have chosen lots of stories. Um, the Waratah was because I read it as a young person. And it scared the life out of me. Um, the Patriot was just just a sad story, and also had that um, uh, modern uh, artifact from the story, the portrait at the Yale University Art Gallery. So that's part of the fascination with that, and the. The witchcraft was really down to the fact that um, it was such a weird story. There's this boat or this yacht uh, just a mile out in calm weather and and something really weird happened. Well, I think the interesting takeaway also for me is that the point is there have been so many people who have mysteriously disappeared. So we've covered a lot of mysterious disappearances before, but it's very scary to think about how some people disappear and you never know what's actually happened to them. Okay, Um, I think we should ask the listeners if they've got any uh, subjects we should research. Yes, so as always, if any of the listeners out there have any suggestions for shows, we would love to hear them. You can contact us at our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True, with the first two spelled T-W-O, or you can search Too T-W-O-G-T-B-T on either Facebook or Instagram. And you can also contact us at our website at toogoodtobetrue.net. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to next week's show. children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, X-Zone Radio TV. 
For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxonradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light.